welcome to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Osmond, a biblical church centered on Christ. Bibles to the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 40, Genesis chapter 40, we're going to read the entire chapter, and then what we're going to do at the very end, we're going to flip over our Bibles and we're going to look at Genesis chapter 50. This is a message here on about when you feel forgotten. We're, I'm going to show you in the Bible of one of the, one of the greatest men in the Scriptures and about how he was forgotten about. And it's the story of Joseph. Joseph had the one of the most unique roller coasters in life. And I'm going to go over that roller coaster. But I'm about to show you in American history who was the most probably, uh, he, I guess you could say forgotten about, he spent the most amount of time for an innocent man in prison. Now, this picture up here, his name is Richard Phillips. There he is right there. All right, let me explain this picture. This is Richard Phillips. In 1972, I, I bet you can guess which picture up here is the one from 1972. Richard Phillips went to jail. He was arrested in Detroit falsely for murder with one witness, accused him of murdering someone. He spent 46 years, some of you know this story, because he got out in 2018, 46 years in a Michigan prison. And he finally, I guess in 2018, the one person who, who, who went to prison, who testified against him, confessed that they lied, that no, he, it was not true that uh, Richard Phillips did not murder that person and the judge let Mr. Phillips out in 2018 and that's in 2018 with him out of prison in American history he was exonerated after 46 years legal observers say this gentleman here Richard Phillips he is the longest known wrongful prison sentence in American history right there that was the man he was innocent the entire time, and uh, it was one that he was, uh, had a false witness against him, and he was lied about, and he walked out, and it was big news. I know some of you remember this uh, five or so years ago, and uh, it was one of these uh, examples where you walk out, you know, the media's there, he had interviews, and folks want to know, what, uh, what do you have to say? I mean, you just served 46 years as an innocent man. The one witness uh, lied about you, even admitted they lied about you. And he came out in the interview, and one of the first things he said was, you know, what, what did you learn from 46 years since 1972 being locked up? And he's learned, he, what he says, he says, I learned that people do not want to know the truth. And I, I think that statement there, how a lot of people just, if they, if they want to believe a lie, if they do not want to be confronted with the truth, they will believe, people will believe whatever they want to believe. That's why many of us live in a world and you think, how can people believe this stuff? Is this real? And the answer is in their mind, yes, because people don't believe the truth. You can just believe whatever you want to believe. You can just tell yourself it over and over and over again to the point of you just believe it's true. You just say it enough, next thing you know it eventually becomes true. And that's... That, is a real profound statement this gentleman made when he served out of high prison because 
The whole, whole time he would just tell everybody, uh, I'm innocent, I did not do this. The person lied about me. Of course, no one believed until that person admitted they were lying. And, uh, and it was one where eventually, obviously, fortunately, in this gentleman's case, the truth set him free, and the truth did come out. We're going to see his story here, a story of Joseph. He also was placed in a predicament where he spent two years, he didn't spend 46 years, he spent two years in prison being falsely accused. I want to tell you about Joseph. Who is this guy? Joseph is somebody in the Bible that you need to study. He needs to be preached on a lot because the book of Genesis is devoted many, many chapters. The whole latter part of the book of Genesis is about the story of Joseph. And Joseph is one of the few people in the Bible that there's no recorded sin against him. Everything he does is very righteous. In fact, the closest thing that he might have done that was questionable was when he was a little boy, maybe a teenager, he had dreams. And the dreams were his brothers bowing down before him, these, these crops bowing down. And he told his brothers that dream, and they became envious of him. He had 11 brothers. His father was named Jacob. He was number 11 of 12. And his father, unfortunately, committed the sin of favoritism. And favoritism is wrong to show towards your children because it hurt Joseph. His father, Jacob, made him a very nice coat, a coat of many colors. And he didn't make 12 of them. He only made one. And he gave it to Joseph. And the brothers noticed that, obviously, that Joseph's getting the nice gift from dad. Where's their coat? They didn't receive a coat of many colors. So what happened one day when Joseph was a teenager? He was uh, going out to bring some supplies to his brothers out in the desert, in the fields. And they saw him coming because he had a bright yellow and bright colorful coat on. So they thought, we don't like this guy. They were very envious of the young man. So they decided they were going to capture him. They beat him up and they threw him in a cistern. That was what held water for animals. Then they realized, why kill people when we can sell them as slaves and make some money and go buy McDonald's and at least get something out of them? So then they sell him as a slave. Joseph is sold to this Midianite group that's headed to Egypt. So he's now in slavery. He's sold on the slave auction block there in Egypt and a man named Potiphar, who is the captain of the guard, and that means the guard of Pharaoh. So Pharaoh had his own personal police and army, and Potiphar was over that. Potiphar purchases Joseph. Joseph's a strong young man, and all of a sudden, Joseph finds himself in Potiphar's house. Well, Joseph, the Lord is with this young man. Everything Joseph does is blessed by God. Well, Joseph works his way up the house. He's a, he's a slave, but they really realize this young man, he's a really good worker. In fact, he's a superstar employee, and he's a slave. So Potiphar puts him in charge of the entire house. He's running the show. He's doing all the work. He's managing the home. Potiphar doesn't even have to do anything. Joseph takes care of everything at the house. Potiphar's married to an unnamed woman named Potiphar's wife. Well, the Bible says that Joseph's a good-looking young man. It says he's handsome and well-built. Potiphar's wife notices Joseph because he's running the house, obviously, 
and she starts making inappropriate advances towards him. But Joseph's a noble, righteous man. And when he gets in a situation, he says no, then he goes away. He says no, and he, he, he scoots on out. He's honoring the Lord with his purity. And even when he's in a faraway land in Egypt, he's honoring the Lord. Even when he's away from his family, even when there's no accountability, even when he's a slave, he's continuing to honor the Lord as a young man. Well, one day, Potiphar's wife is getting frustrated. She really likes this guy. So she goes and grabs him and says, we're going to go have relations together. And Joseph's realizing this is a little bit more than in the past. So he, let, he runs away from her while she's holding his, his coat, his cloak. Not the coat of many colors. The coat of many colors was captured by his brothers and taken back to their father to say, look, Joseph's dead. They poured animal's blood all over it to show, see, Joseph's father thought Joseph was dead. So Potiphar's wife is now left holding this coat. And, and Joseph runs away. And then when Potiphar comes home that day, she says, hey, this, uh, this Hebrew man who's a slave, who you allow all through our house, he made an advance. He tried to attack me. And then Potiphar hears about this, and he says, Joseph, you're going to jail. So under, look at, the, look at, look at the, the roller coaster of this young man's life. He's the favorite son. He's sold into slavery. He's purchased by Potiphar, but then he starts running the house. So he's moving on up. He's managing the home because the Lord is with him. He gets falsely accused by Potiphar's wife. And he's now back in jail. Or he's in jail. So now he's in jail, falsely accused by Potiphar's wife. But the great thing about Joseph is the Lord is always with this young man. His hand is upon him. And what we see here is God has a purpose in your trials. I want to say that again. You're going to be going through some trials. And God has a purpose in those trials. Because now Joseph is in a dungeon. He's in jail. But the amazing thing is, he can manage really well. He starts running the jail. He's now, the, 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 uh, the warden realizes, wow, Joseph's like the greatest inmate we've ever had. I think I'll just put Joseph in charge of the jail and I'll go play on my phone and go play iPad games. He's not even worried about the inmates because he's got Joseph, the, literally a prisoner, is running the prison. That just shows you how well he can manage the prison. But you know, What's going to happen here with Joseph? Is some events are about to happen, and that's where we're going to pick up, and we'll tell you the rest of his story. We're going to see how God is working, because this is where we're at right now. Joseph is in prison, yet he's managing the prison, and he's been falsely accused. But never once does this man, I'm sure all of us, if we were in prison, and we were falsely accused, we would be somehow trying to get a hold of anyone attorney, family, write letters to the governor, write letters to the president, anybody to listen and say, hey, I do not belong here. I was falsely accused. We need to do some research and get me out of this place. And you would complain, you would gripe, 
But here is Joseph in jail and not complaining. He decides, hey, if this is where I'm going to be, I'm going to make the best of this situation. Let's run a good jail. If if the Lord's with me, we're going to manage what we can manage. So now we're going to pick up here in our Bibles. I want you to follow along. This is an incredible Bible story about how God is going to remember this young man even when everyone else has forgotten about him. Locked away in a dungeon. After this, the king of Egypt, that is Pharaoh. At this time in world history, Pharaoh is the most powerful man on earth. Egypt's the most powerful country. So the king of Egypt's cupbearer and baker offended their master, the king of Egypt. So let me explain what the chief cupbearer and the chief baker would do. If you were Pharaoh and you were the king of Egypt and you were in charge of all of Egypt, the most powerful country on earth, you would have someone, back in Bible times, one of the ways to kill people is, and you can still do this today, you poison them. So before you would have a drink of wine or milk or whatever you want to drink, you would have this right-hand man here who's your cupbearer, and he would take a, maybe half a glass of it first, make sure that he's alive. We'd kind of watch the guy, make sure he's still there. If he doesn't die, you think, well, that's good wine. That's good drink. So then the Pharaoh would do it. Same with his bread. Before you would eat a meal, you would also let the chief baker eat the meal just to make sure he doesn't fall over and get poisoned during that dinner. So that's what these people would do. You would just run the food by someone else to make sure there's nothing, maybe some cook or a cook or an assistant, someone didn't slip something in that food that does not belong. But first, we don't know what the offense was, but somehow these two men, they offended the king. And that's not good. Normally, if we get offended, we don't have the privilege of saying, I'm offended, you're going to jail. But back in Pharaoh's day, that's what happened. You went straight to prison if you were offended. Pharaoh was angry with his two officers, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker, and put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guards in the prison where Joseph was confined. So they're now going to, lo and behold, they're going to Joseph's prison. Well, who runs the prison? Joseph runs the prison. So here come some new prisoners, and it's the chief cupbearer and the chief baker are headed that way. And it says, The captain of the guards assigned Joseph to them as their personal attendant, and they were in custody for some time. The king of Egypt's cupbearer and baker who were confined in the prison each had a dream both had a dream on the same night and each dream had its own meaning when joseph came to them in the morning he saw that they looked distraught so joseph was apparently a very sensitive man he knows his prisoners he wakes up one morning he notices these two prisoners here the chief cupbearer the chief baker they look really upset like something's wrong because he manages the prison, he recognizes, hey, this prisoner doesn't seem very happy today. Guys, what's going on? Why aren't you happy? You know, we've got to make my prison happy, because I make the best of all the situations. Even when it's a miserable situation, we've all been falsely accused, maybe. Or we offended the king. So he looks at them, and he realizes something doesn't look right. And they say, we had dreams, they told him, But there is no one to interpret the dreams. Then Joseph said to them, Don't interpretations belong to God? 
Look at how Joseph's confidence in the Lord. Interpretations of dreams, they belong to God. They don't belong to us researching it on the internet or reading books about it. If you want to say, if you, have a, if you had a dream tonight and you want to know, God, what did that mean? You need to pray and ask the Lord. Say, Lord, what does this mean? Only God gives interpretation, not horoscopes or anything else. It comes from the Lord. And then Joseph said, tell me your dreams. One of the great gifts that God has given Joseph is he can interpret dreams. So the chief cupbearer told his dream to Joseph. In my dream, there was a vine in front of me. On the vine were three branches. As soon as it budded, its blossoms came out, and its clusters ripened into grapes. Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes, squeezed them into Pharaoh's cup, and placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. This is its interpretation, Joseph said to him. The three branches are three days. In just three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your position. You will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand the way you used to when you were his cupbearer. Now look what Joseph says. You know, when someone is in prison and someone is locked up, especially falsely, they, the one thing everybody wants in jail is to get out. Everybody who's in prison wants out of prison. In verse 14 it says, But when all goes well for you, remember that I was with you. Please show kindness to me by mentioning me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison. For I was kidnapped from the land of the Hebrews, and even here I have not done anything that they should put me in this dungeon. So he's telling the cupbearer, I, just, I'm, I gave you a good interpretation. Now remember, the cupbearer doesn't know if this is really going to come true. All he knows is this man told me an interpretation. I don't know if it's really going to happen. So he has no idea. All he knows is, hey, in three days I might get set free. And Joseph's begging to, for him to remember me so I can be set free too. Then it goes on to say, verse 16. So remember, that's the story there of the cupbearer. When the chief baker saw that the interpretation was positive, he said to Joseph, I also had a dream. Three baskets of white bread were on my head. In the top of the baskets were all sorts of baked goods for Pharaoh, but the birds were eating them out of the basket on my head. This is its interpretation, Joseph replied. The three baskets are three days. In just three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head from off you. Meaning, there goes his head. Not lift up his head like it's time for me to be set free. He's saying, you're going to get beheaded in three days. And hang you on a tree. Then the birds will eat the flesh from your body. What a gruesome way to die. But Joseph's interpretation for the baker is saying, you're going to die. The cupbearer is going to be restored. The baker, you're going to per perish. On the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, he gave a feast for all his servants. He elevated the chief cupbearer and the chief baker among his servants. That means he pulled them out of prison. Pharaoh restored the chief cupbearer to his position as cupbearer. Now remember, this was three days prior. So all of a sudden, the way he's released is the, the cupbearer gets news. Hey, it's time to go. Pharaoh's summoning you. So he runs out the door, and there, go, there he goes. And Joseph's just hoping. I hope he remembers me. It's coming true, what Joseph said. He's restoring, it says, he's restored his position as cupbearer. 
and he placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. But Pharaoh hanged the chief baker, just as Joseph had explained to them. So what Joseph said, his interpretation of the dream, every word came true. Yet look at this. This is what happens when we're forgotten about. Yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. He forgot about him. He got back in his position as cupbearer, and Joseph was forgotten about. For two more years, he sat in that dungeon. And you know, whenever you're in, when you've been forgotten about, when circumstances happen in your life, you're always left wondering why. Why, God? Why did this happen to me? And what we see in this story here is Joseph's commitment to God was not based upon his circumstances. He had terrible circumstances. His life was a roller coaster, yet his commitment never ceased. And what's amazing about Joseph, he continued to serve the Lord even when he was in slavery in Egypt. Some of you, some of you might be college students. You don't live here in Lexington. You're in a faraway land. You're in a different church. You're in a different city. It's a wild city. It's a 24-hour city. This is not your homeland. But yet God has you here in this wonderful city. And you can remain and you can grow in your commitment to Him. Your time in Lexington can be a phenomenal time of remaining committed and true to God. Or you can come to a faraway land such as Lexington and squander and complain and party and be in rebellion from the Lord. And what we see here with Joseph is his circumstances. Even when he was locked up, he continued to be faithful to God. Do you know many times in our life, we allow what we call a bad experience at church. Someone gossips about you. Someone uh, hurts you. They stab you in the back. They let you down. It likely even happens at church. And you walk away and you think, you know, I'm not going back to church again. If that's how Christians are going to be, I will, I'll never set foot in church again. I want to tell you, if you have that type of attitude, you have a weak faith. That's a sign of spiritual immaturity. Poor Joseph. This man went up and down, and he didn't, he didn't have just little inclines. I mean, he shot up, became the leader, and he dropped all the way back down and became a prisoner. His whole life was one of abundance, to slavery. Abundance, falsely accused, you're in prison, forgotten about. That was his life. It was a rocky one. And I think for us, we as Christians, we want to remember that circumstances should not allow our faith to fail. A bad pastor, a bad experience, unhypocritical Christians, Someone does or says something. That shouldn't reflect and change your commitment to Christ, to the Lord. It didn't with Joseph. He remained faithful to God even though he experienced many difficult and unfair circumstances. You ever had something unfair happen to you? Have you ever felt like, I don't deserve this? This is not what I planned. 
This isn't what I wanted. You relate to Joseph. Joseph didn't plan for this. He was the favorite son of Jacob in the promised land. They were living in the promised land. And the next thing you know, Joseph finds himself sold by his family as a slave. Joseph knew God hadn't forgotten about him. Even though his father believed he was dead. Even though his brothers likely believed he was dead. He was just long gone, just sold into slavery. We'll never see that boy again. Go tell dad an animal killed him. He was out of there. Joseph knew God has not forgotten about me. And you can look back on Joseph's life and Joseph recognizes that it was the Lord that did everything. In fact, I want to illustrate that. Last scripture we're going to see this morning. Turn your Bibles. Genesis chapter 50. It's up on the screen. I want to read verses 19 and 20. Genesis 50, 19 and 20. The Bible tells us here, this is at the very end of Joseph's life, the very end of the book of Genesis. What happens is Joseph, you know, if you, if you had a brother and they sold you into slavery, wouldn't you like want to seek revenge on your brother? So like, I spent my whole life as a slave. I've had some tough times. because I was in prison all because of these brothers that didn't like me. Not Joseph. He extended kindness to his family. If there was a man that could forgive, it was Joseph. He offered forgiveness to his brothers. He did not hold a grudge. When he was about to pass away, with his brothers, he had confronted them. He recognized what God was doing through all of these events. And he made the statement in verse 19. Genesis 15, 19. He says, But Joseph said to them, Don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? Like, guys, y'all don't need to fear me. You planned evil against me, but God planned it for good. What you are doing... As something evil, God had great plans for something good. You say, Pastor, what is Joseph talking about there? God planned it good. What is good about this story? Joseph's in jail. No. Let me tell you about Joseph, what happened in his life. Joseph had been forgotten about there in prison. But one day, Pharaoh, he had a dream. He had these dreams of a a healthy cow and then a real sickly cow. And then it bothered him. He did not know what the dream meant. Well, then all of a sudden, the chief cupbearer, the guy who was promoted from prison, who also had a dream, all of a sudden, miraculously, he remembered, oh, I once had a dream many, many years ago when I was in that dungeon, Pharaoh, you threw me in. And there was a young man in there who interpreted accurately my dream. Immediately, the king of Egypt, Pharaoh summons him and says, come see me. He comes in and and Joseph walks in and says, you're going to have seven good years of abundance. The crops are going to produce phenomenal results. And then there's going to be seven years of famine. And those seven years of abundance, you need to save for all the people on earth because there's going to be a terrible famine. A great depression is going to hit for seven years after the abundance. Let me tell you what happened. Pharaoh heard that and says, he pulled that young man out of the prison and he made him the prime minister, second in charge right under Pharaoh. Joseph was, went from managing a prison to managing the most powerful country on earth at that time, Egypt. 
And he managed, he was so good at budgeting, he was so good at planning, at saving, and preparing. For seven years, Egypt flourished. And all they did is store up and save grain. And then, seven years of famine came. But something happened on the second year of that famine. Because it was a seven-year famine. On year two, there was this little family in the land of Canaan before it was called Israel, the promised land. And this little family only had about 75 family members. It was Jacob and his 11 sons and their families. And they ran out of food. And they didn't know what to do. And they had to go to Egypt to buy grain. And then they realized, who are they buying grain from? Well, lo and behold, it's Joseph. Joseph is the one who's providing for his family. And Joseph says, he gets permission from Pharaoh and says, you bring your family here. And there's a region in Egypt. It's in the northern region where the Nile River comes into the Mediterranean River. It's called Goshen. And they move their family there. And this little family of 75 people, Jacob and his family, his sons, they settled into the land of Goshen and lived there because that's where the food was. That was on year two of year seven of the famine. And God was able to keep this young family of, of 75 people alive during this great famine. Why? Because Joseph was sold into slavery and was now the prime minister and God helped him interpret dreams. And what's amazing about that story They didn't just stay there to the end of the famine, that little group, Jacob's family of 75 people. They stayed there 400 years in Goshen. And then 400 years later, a man named Moses was born among the Hebrews. And that began the process of God calling Moses from a burning bush to let my people go and to go through the Red Sea and ultimately have the Passover and ultimately for the, the Hebrew people, God's chosen people, which started out as 75 people, and a, one and a half million will come out of that land in 400 years. And they went to the promised land via the Red Sea. Went through the Red Sea. And what's also amazing about the call out of Egypt, 2,000 years later, a little boy, and we studied this during Christmas, he also, to flee Herod, he had to go into Egypt. Mary and Joseph went with Jesus into Egypt to escape Herod. And he was also, the Bible verse says, out of Egypt I called my son. His son was Jesus. That means there's a time in our life that we experience these these trials, these unexplainable circumstances that we didn't plan for, that we don't look forward to, that just happened to us. And we're wondering, God, why? Why is this evil? Why is this disappointment? Why is this setback? Why am I here? You don't see it now. And when Joseph was in that dungeon, all he could think about, I'm going to die here. I've been forgotten about. This is awful. My career job is to manage a prison, which I'm the prisoner. I don't get paid for it. Like, my only job is just to keep peace in order. Yet God was preparing this young man. He soon wouldn't be managing prison. He would be managing all of Egypt. And then ultimately managing is saving his family decades after that. So they could be saved. So ultimately God could call his people out of Egypt 
and lead them to a promised land. Then ultimately, Jesus will come out of Egypt as well. And we see the story of God, how He uses these trials, these circumstances, these difficult, dark days in Joseph's life. But the principle for us, folks, this young man, Joseph, he had every opportunity to sin sexually, to be in rebellion, to just run wild, to reject all the teachings of his, from his father, to sin against the Lord. But he chose, even in just dark days in his life, he remained faithful to God. So this morning I ask you, here you are, you might be in the same experience as Joseph is in. It's just, you're in a trial. You're wondering, God, what's going on in my family, my job, my life, my marriage? And you, you're wanting answers, and God calls us to faithfulness. Joseph is an example for all of us today to say, I, no matter what happens, no matter how bad it gets, no matter what people say, Lord, I will be faithful to you. Beecher, I'm going to ask our band to come forward at this time. We're going to have our invitation. I want to encourage you at this time, if you have never gotten saved and given your life to Jesus, you can do that today. I always stand down front. We close this service with an invitation. Myself and Zach Bauer, youth pastor, we stand up here. You want to give your life to Christ. Say, Pastor, I want to get saved this morning. You come walk forward and take my hand and say, Pastor, I want to get saved. And I'll lead you in a prayer and you'll be able to get your life, give your life to Christ. Many of you need to, are, are in your Egypt. You're in a faraway land and you need a church home. And Broadway needs to be your home. This is your time. You walk forward and say, Pastor, I want to join Broadway. This needs to be my home while I'm here in this Egypt, a faraway land, but having a church home that worships and honors the Lord. So I'm going to invite everyone to stand up. We're going to have our public invitation, respond to the Lord. Myself and Zachary are going to be right up here. You respond to the gospel.